like smoke. Shefford wondered why the sand looked red at a distance, for here it seemed almost white. It rippled everywhere, clean and glistening, always leading down. Suddenly Shefford became aware of a house looming out of the bareness of the slope. It dominated that long white incline. Grim, lonely, forbidding. How strangely it harmonized with the surroundings. The structure was octagon-shaped, built of uncut stone, and resembled a fort. There was no door on the sides exposed to Shefford's gaze, but small apertures two-thirds the way up probably served as windows and portholes. The roof appeared to be made of poles covered with red earth. Like a huge cold rock on a wide plain, this house stood there on a winding slope. It was an outpost of the trader Presbury, of whom Shefford had heard at Flagstaff in Tuba. No living thing appeared in the limit of Shefford's vision. He gazed shudderingly at the unwelcoming habitation, at the dark eye-like windows, at the sweep of barren slope, merging into the vast red valley, at the bold, bleak bluffs. Could anyone live there? The nature of that sinister valley forbade a home there, and the spirit of the place hovered in the silence and space. Shefford thought irresistibly of how his enemies would have consigned him to just such a hell. He thought bitterly and mockingly of the narrow congregation that had proved him a failure in the ministry, that had repudiated his ideas of religion and immortality and God, that had driven him at the age of twenty-four, from the calling forced upon him by his people. As a boy, he had yearned to make himself an artist. His family had made him a clergyman. Fate had made him a failure. A failure only so far in his life, something urged him to add. For in the lonely days and silent nights of the desert, he had experienced a strange birth of hope. Adventure had called him. But it was a vague and spiritual hope, a dream of promise, a nameless attainment that fortified his wilder impulse. As he rode around a corner of the stone house, his horse snorted and stopped. A lean, shaggy pony jumped at sight of him, almost displacing a red, long-haired blanket that had covered an Indian saddle. Quick thuds of hooves and sand drew Shefford's attention to a corral made of peeled poles, and here he saw another pony. Shefford heard subdued voices. He dismounted and walked to an open door. In a dark interior, he dimly described a high counter, a stairway, a pile of bags of flour, blankets and silver ornamented objects. But the persons he had heard were not in that part of the house. Around another corner of the octagon-shaped wall, he found another open door, and through it saw goatskins and a mound of dirty sheep wool, black and brown and white. It was light in this part of the building. When he crossed the threshold, he was astounded to see a man struggling with a girl, an Indian girl. She was straining back from him, panting and uttering very low guttural sounds. The man's face was corded and dark with passion. This scene affected Shefford strangely. Primitive emotions were new to him. Before Shefford could speak, the girl broke loose and turned to flee. She was an Indian, and this place was the uncivilized desert, but Shefford knew terror when he saw it. 
Like a dog, the man rushed after her. It was instinct that made Shefford strike, and his blow laid the man flat. He lay stunned a moment, then raised himself to sitting posture. His hand to his face and his gaze he fixed upon Shefford seemed to combine astonishment and rage. I hope you're not Presbury, said Shefford slowly. He felt awkward, not sure of himself. The man appeared about to burst into speech, but repressed it. There was blood on his mouth and his hand. Hastily he scrambled to his feet. Shefford saw this man's amaze and rage changed to shame. He was tall and rather stout. He had a smooth, tanned face, soft of outline, with a weak chin. His eyes were dark. The look of him in his corduroys and his soft shoes gave Shefford an impression that he was not a man who worked hard. By contrast with a few other worn and rugged desert men Shefford had met, this stranger stood out strikingly. He stooped to pick up a soft felt hat, and jamming it on his head, he hurried out. Shefford followed him and watched him from the door. He went directly to the corral, mounted the pony, and rode out to turn down the slope toward the south. When he reached the level of the basin, where evidently the sand was hard, he put the pony to a lope and gradually drew away. Well, ejaculated Shefford. He did not know what to make of this adventure. Presently he became aware that the Indian girl was sitting on a roll of blankets near the wall. With curious interest, Shefford studied her appearance. She had long, raven-black hair, tangled and disheveled, and she wore a soiled white band of cord above her brow. The color of her face struck him. It was dark, but not red or bronzed. Almost it had a tinge of gold. Her profile was clean-cut, bold, almost stern. Long black eyelashes hid her eyes. She wore a tight-fitting waist garment resembling velveteen. It was ripped along her side, exposing a skin still more richly gold than that of her face. A string of silver ornaments and turquoise and white beads encircled her neck, and it moved gently up and down with the heaving of her full bosom. Her skirt was of some gaudy print goods, torn and stained and dusty. She had little feet, encased in brown moccasins, fitting like gloves and buttoning over the ankles with silver coins. Who was that man? Did he hurt you? inquired Shefford, turning to gaze down the valley where a moving black object showed on the bare sand. No savvy, replied the Indian girl. Where's the trader? Presbury, asked Shefford. She pointed straight down into the Red Valley. To, she said. In the center of the basin lay a small pool of water, shining brightly in the sunset glow. Small objects moved around it, so small that Shefford thought he saw several dogs led by a child. But it was distance that deceived him. There was a man down there, watering his horses. It reminded Shefford of the duty owing to his own tired and thirsty beast, whereupon he untied his pack, took off the saddle, and was about ready to start down when the Indian girl grasped the bridle from his hand. Migo, she said. He saw her eyes then, and they made her look different. They were as black as her hair. He was puzzled to decide whether or not he thought her handsome. Thanks, but I'll go 
he replied, and taking the bridle again, he started down the slope. At every step his horse sank into the deep, soft sand. Down a little way he came upon piles of tin cans. They were everywhere, buried, half-buried, and lying loose. And these gave evidence of how the trader lived. Presently Shefford discovered that the Indian girl was following him with her own pony. Looking upward at her against the light, he thought her slender, lithe, picturesque. At a distance he liked her. He plodded on, at length, glad to get out of the drifts of the sand to the hard level floor of the valley. This too was sand, but dried and baked hard and red in color. At some season of the year this immense flat must be covered with water. How wide it was, and empty! Shefford experienced again a feeling that had been novel to him. It was that he was loose, free, unanchored, ready to veer with the wind. From the foot of the slope the water hole had appeared to be a few hundred rods out in the valley, but the small size of the figures made Shefford doubt, and he had to travel many times a few hundred rods before these figures began to grow. Then Shefford made out that they were approaching him. Thereafter they rapidly increased to normal proportions of man and beast. When Shefford met them he saw a powerful, heavily built young man leading two ponies. You're Mr. Presbury, the trader? Shefford inquired. Yes, I'm Presbury. Without the mister, he replied. Well, my name's Shefford. I'm knocking about on the desert. Rode from Tuba today. And I'm glad to see you, said Presbury. He offered his hand. He was a stalwart man, clad in gray shirt, overalls, and boots. <laughs>